I'm Pastor James. We're so happy you're here, and we've got something new for you today. It's called That Just Happened. That's our new series, and it was uh, Pastor Matt's bright idea a couple months ago that we do a series where we look at whatever happened that week in the news and base a sermon on it. And this is the first week. <laughs> I'm glad you can see some humor in it. There's, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And uh, this sermon series is meant to help you use the gospel as a lens for the things you see in the news. I thought initially this sermon series would be an opportunity for me to live out my dream of being a late night comedy show host and deliver a monologue. I thought I would get to talk about some silly headlines in the news, headlines like these, Chicago woman becomes oldest woman to skydive at age 104. Minnesota woman attempts to smuggle giraffe feces through the airport. A bear walks into a convenience store and steals gummy bears. I mean, the jokes write themselves and don't even get me started on the political stuff going on in the United States right now. Totally ripe for comedy. But then the headlines started to change to headlines like these. Even the real late-night comedians didn't give their normal monologues. They had a hard time writing jokes about what was going on in the Middle East. As I watched the news preparing for this sermon series, I saw evil, pure evil. There is no excuse for the type of terror and bloodshed that Hamas committed. As I heard story after story of slaughter, destruction, genocide, pure evil, my blood began to boil. I got angry to my core. I wanted blood for blood. As I continued to immerse myself in the news, I started to worry that the troubles in the Middle East would spill over into our communities, our homes, as I saw stories about possible things happening and schools closing and police on high alert. Fear was spreading. And finally, the news became too much for me. I couldn't watch any more children dying on both sides of the border in Israel. I couldn't make sense of it all. I didn't have an easy solution to the problems there or here at home. I became fatalistic. Why bother caring? There's nothing we can do about it. Nothing will ever change. Why bother? So how should we respond to bad news? How do we read the headlines, especially headlines of despair, depravity, darkness, like we are seeing right now in Israel, and Gaza? What do we make of headlines from the New York Times that feel like they are signaling the end times? Well, I was a history major in college, and I consider myself an amateur historian. And I like to, when I look at today's headlines, look in the past at yesterday's headlines. So we're going to do that today real quick. Let's look at some major headlines from the past, things that did not just happen. The first headline is this. In the year 1099 A.D., a large army of European Christians captured Jerusalem. 
Their goal was to liberate the Holy Land from Islamic rule and establish a Christian kingdom. And they did. And that kingdom lasted for about 200 years. But they got that kingdom through a war of escalation. Brutal attacks and atrocities met with more brutal attacks and atrocities. It all culminated when 10,000 Jewish and Muslim, mostly women and children, ran to the Temple Mount for safety. And the Christian crusaders showed them the exact kind of hatred and evil that Hamas is showing today. The, The headline that reverberated through history was actually this. Christians respond with hatred, not love. The atrocities committed 1,000 years ago in the name of Islam and in the name of Christianity still shape the Middle East today. The medieval crusaders thought that they had it all figured out 1,000 years ago. They literally invaded the Holy Land and established a literal new kingdom that they thought would usher in the end times and solve all the problems of the Middle East. It just made things worse. Have you, like me, been tempted to respond with hate and get sucked into a crusade of words online and with your neighbors about what's going on in the Middle East? Our next headline comes from the year 1666. In London, a plague ravaged the city, killing about 15% of the population, upwards of 100,000 people in the span of a year and a half. And towards the end of that plague, a fire broke out in London, and two-thirds of the city burnt down. In the wake of this, and possibly because of the three sixes in the year, Christians responded with fear. Fear that it was the end of the world, feared that judgment day was upon them, and also just simple fear of other people. Many saw conspiracies around every corner. They rounded up foreigners, they rounded up non-Protestants, and they rounded up people with different political beliefs and out of fear persecuted them. And the headlines that we read from that now are that Christians respond with fear instead of faith. Have you been tempted, like me, to latch on to rumors and respond with reactionary fear and mistrust of others? We're going to jump ahead in history to the year of 1996, and the headline is, High Schooler Convinced It's the End of the World. When I was a freshman in 1996, my Bible-slash-English teacher was teaching a class on the end times, and she had just finished reading a book called The Bible Code. Do you all remember this book? What it did is it took the Bible and turned it into a Hebrew word search puzzle, and it claimed that God had left little clues about the headlines of the day in the Bible if you just knew where to circle the words. My teacher had also discovered a little thing called the internet. 
And on the internet, she found articles and conspiracy theories about who the Antichrist was. And she was very convincing. She used scripture as evidence, headlines in the news as evidence, lunar and solar eclipses as evidence, earthquakes. It all fit together, and I, as a freshman, was convinced, and it wrecked me. I was afraid, I was depressed, and I was resigned to my fate. So I didn't understand why my teacher was upset with me and surprised when I didn't turn in my English paper that Friday. It was the end of the world. Why would I turn in an English paper? And also, have you heard about this Y2K thing? (laughs) The headline everyone saw was James responds with fatalism instead of hope. Have you ever, like me, been tempted to just check out and not care anymore. This is not what Christ wants for his people. Hatred, fear, and fatalism are not how we should respond to the headlines. This is lumping burden upon burden, bad news upon bad news. Let's look at Christ's words to his disciples when he is warning them of upcoming horrific headlines. And there's a few different ways you can interpret Matthew 24. I like the simple interpretation that Jesus loves his disciples so much that when they ask what's coming up, he gives them an answer. Because he knows that in the year A.D. 70, the temple will be destroyed brick by brick by an invading army. And Christians and Jews alike will be killed and persecuted all across the Roman Empire. The world that they knew was coming to an end, and they were going to be persecuted for their faith. There's another way to read Matthew 24, and that's, that's a reading that says that Jesus is speaking to us right now, and he's talking about the end times that someday we will see, and that, and that we will experience persecution. I think there's truth to both readings. I think he was specifically talking to his disciples because he loved them so much, and he's speaking to us because he loves us so much. He says to them, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed. These things must happen. These things are gonna happen, but they don't mean that the end has come. Nation will fight against nation, Israel against Hamas. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are only the birth pains of the end. Jesus is letting his disciples and us know that we live in a fallen world. There are certain things that are going to happen time and time again. They've been happening ever since sin entered into this world. But don't be afraid. You're going to see wars. You're going to see famines. You're going to see earthquakes. There's going to be persecution and suffering. But don't be afraid. All of the headlines the disciples saw, all of the headlines throughout history, all the headlines we see today, they are all 
the birth pains of something to come. A new thing, a new world, heaven and earth combined. A world without bad news. Jesus goes on to say, but the person who endures to the end will be saved. The good news about the kingdom will be spread throughout the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. The end is good news. No matter, the, what, no matter what the world throws at you, you will be saved in the end. It's the end of sin and death and suffering, and it's a new beginning. The end is not something to fear. We know this because the very person who spoke these words, our Savior, he endured till the end. He endured terror, torture, and death. Death on a cross for you. And he defeated all of those things in his resurrection, and we can now look forward and endure to the end, whenever it may be. Because we too will be resurrected. So I want you to remember this. When reading the end times, the Bible gives us a promise not a puzzle. Christ promises he will return and make all things new. He promises you will share in his resurrection, and he keeps his promises. This is for all people, not just the people who can crack the Bible code. The Bible gives us comfort, not confusion about the end. We do not have to be fearful what may come or what is happening. We don't have to use divination to read the signs of our times, the stars in the heavens, tea leaves, or headlines in the news. Christ's message about the end is simple. Things are going to be bad now because of sin, but I will bring an end to it, and I'm not waiting to start that end. You are my chosen People. You are Israel. You don't need to worry about temples being built or destroyed. You don't need to worry about kingdoms rising and falling. You don't need to worry about nation states being founded or falling. You don't need to worry about crusades and jihad and the end times. I have you and all of history in the palm of my hand, and I love you. We can apply this same reading of the end times to the reading of the New York Times. We know why there is suffering in the world. It's because of sin and the devil. We're not surprised when it happens. It has been going on since Adam and Eve. But we can rest in the gospel, the good news, when all hope looks lost. Whether it's a big story in the news, like Hamas invading Israel, or whether it is a more personal story like cancer invading a loved one, Christ gives us comfort in the promise that he will return one day and make all things new. He will destroy 
bad news. So then how do we respond to bad news? How do we respond to terrible headlines in, on the world stage, and how do we respond to terrible headlines in our personal lives? Well, Christians, we are called to respond to bad news with good news. We respond with love instead of hate. As we see atrocities committed by terrorists, we can call for justice and peace without hate, without rejoicing in revenge. We can empathize with everyone suffering at the hands of evildoers, whether they are the people being attacked or the people who already live under brutal oppression. Hatred will only amplify hatred. Forgiveness and love for our enemies is what we are called to do even as we seek justice. And there are some seriously evil men and women in the world committing serious acts of, of evil right now, calling for the eradication of people. There was once a man who made his mission to hunt down God's people, to persecute them, terrorize them, and eradicate them off the face of the earth. And yet God called this man and gave him a new name and a new mission to share the gospel with sinners. This man, Paul, would go on to tell the early Christians, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So as Christians, we can respond with faith instead of fear. The good news for us is that God keeps his promises. In the darkest of times, Christ tells us, don't be alarmed. Trust in Christ and lean not on your own understanding. Christ has all of history in the palm of his hands. Rest in the promises he makes. No matter what is in the news, he is in control. Paul went on to say to the Romans, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Which means we can also respond to bad news with hope instead of fatalism. Just because we know suffering is inevitable and that things will end doesn't mean that we are not called to shine light in this world. Yes, there will be bad news on a global scale in the Middle East and in the middle of your life. We will be tempted to respond with fatalism and apathy, but the good news is that God is working His good news in and through you when you share love, faith, and hope with others. And finally, 
when the headlines are too much, when the evil and suffering in the world seems overwhelming, when you feel powerless, remember who has power. It's Christ. Call out to him in prayer. He will comfort you. He will change the unchangeable hearts. He will bring an end to suffering, and he isn't waiting until the end to start that end. No matter what just happened, when we are speechless, remember he has already equipped us with the words to say no matter the headline. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done.